Welcome to the latest episode of the Banished to the Pen podcast. I'm Brandon Lee of Banished to the Pen, and I want to note that this recording is happening at 11 a.m. Central Time on Saturday. The baseball landscape might change by the time you listen to it. There's been a flurry of activity the last couple of days, and what better time to talk about it, and who better to talk about it with than a couple of friends of Banished to the Pen and Banished to the Pen contributors joining us from Washington, D.C., is Alex Rizzafulli, writer for Birds on the Black. Hey, Alex, how's it going? Guys, what is happening? And also joining us from deepest, darkest whales is Banished to the Pens' Darius Austin. Hey, Darius, how's it going? It's good. I think I, I lied to you before when I said it was pitch black because it's now darker than it was before. So it's, it's yeah, we're definitely in darkest whales now. Yeah, but isn't it darkest before the dawn? I don't know. Is that true? I, I mean, I'm I'm no scientist, so I, I'm not going to get up and check. I'll be honest. Well, I am no scientist, nor am I a internationally renowned pop star, so I have no idea whether it actually is dark as before. <laughs> Alex, uh, I I do want to give you a chance at the top to plug Birds on the Black because this is a this is a new Cardinal site, right? Yes. Um... It's a new site that I started contributing to about a couple of weeks ago that, um, that launched a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, just uh, a couple of people from Cardinal's Twitter that people might recognize. Um, one, an old uh, colleague of mine at Viva Alberto's, Joe Schwartz. Uh, he goes by Cup of Joe. Um, and a few other people. Um, you know, it's nice. We just get together. I, uh, I told them I would love to contribute if I can contribute as little as possible or as much as possible, and they said that was fine. So uh, I'm happy to be there. Wow, that's awesome. You can do as much as you want or as little as you want. Yes, yes. That was my only demand. <laughs> I, wish I, could, I wish I could levy that demand at work. I would like to do as little as I want or as much as I want, depending on the day. Me too. <laughs> um so I, I do want to throw it out there for banter at the top because there's been a flurry of activity over the last couple of days. It kind of does seem like after the Stanton trade and the Otani signing and then, you know, all the negotiating and dealing in the winter meetings that things are actually starting to happen. So do you guys have any favorite things that happened over the last day or two either with your team or with another team Darius, you want to go ahead yeah well i'm gonna lead it off with the the blockbuster that everybody's talking about uh i really like the anthony swarzak deal uh the mets probably have had nothing but bad things said about them this year so i'm here to say something good about the mets i think two years and 14 million is a great deal for swarzak uh he was incredible this year i think he had a 30 percent strikeout rate uh, 14% swinging strike rate. He was one of the top 10 relievers in baseball. Uh, I think when you look at the kind of deals some of the other relievers out there have been getting, all, all of whom I think are probably worse than Swarzak in 2017. And the Rockies are out here giving three-year deals to relievers again because, you know, Mike Dunn and uh, Boone Logan and whoever else it has been uh, wasn't enough to teach them. So, uh, yeah, I think two years and 14 million is a great deal for Swarzak. And uh, I think probably, the, well, certainly the Giants would have benefited a lot from getting him. So I'm kind of a little bit jealous. So, yeah, that's that's my favorite so far, uh, marginal reliever signing. So, so you brought up Mike Dunn, actually. And... Uh, 
I yeah that that was the Mike Dunn signing was actually it was I I believe that effectively Wild did a couple of not a couple of whole episodes but they spent a couple of banter segments talking about the the Mike Dunn signing at the time now did did it actually turn out as bad as everybody thought it would at least in year one like there's probably no point in giving him the three-year deal plus an option but the first year at four million it's not bad yet right i think it looks okay i know i think it was extremely up and down i know the walk rate was horrendous um so yeah i don't know that we can necessarily judge it yet i think maybe when we get to year three and see um but i think probably the existence of anthony swarzak also indicates that it wasn't a great idea because he was kind of a guy that didn't really cost anything and and wasn't really particularly well thought of before this year and now he's maybe one of the best 10 relievers in baseball so i think the wisdom of committing yourself to three-year deals with anything but the very top end of relievers uh, is probably a bit of a fool's errand in in my view hey hey guys i have some mike dunn banter oh oh mike dunn banter (laughs) love it so the Mike Dunn that we're all talking about and the audience is probably thinking about is Mike Dunn, spelled D-U-N-N, correct? Yes, correct. Left-handed, well, was, left-handed pitcher for the Rockies, yes. Yes, yes, of course. Well, there was another Mike Dunn who came up in the Cardinal system in the 80s, spelled D-U-N-N-E. And he was traded before the 1987 season with Andy Van Slyke and Spanky Mike LaVoyer to the Pirates for uh, Tony Pena, the catcher. Um, it was actually not a great trade from the Cardinals' standpoint, but since Tony Pena was a pretty popular guy and he helped him get to the World Series that year, no one really cares all that much that they lost out on any against Mike, although they probably should. But Mike Dunn, I later found out, well, he went on actually in 1987 to have a very good season with the Pirates as well, and he finished runner-up to Rookie of the Year, I believe, um, yeah, I'm going to pull him up. Okay, I'm looking at his baseball reference page. He was 13-6, and 3.03 ERA, 163 innings pitched in his rookie season. Yeah, and finished second in the Rookie of the Year award to, um, trying to, to Benito Santiago. Okay, so he lost Benito Santiago. Anyway, I am, let's see, about seven years ago now, I guess, six years ago, seven years ago now, I went on the first date with my wife. Her name, her last name is Dunn, D-U-N-N-E, as well. And I found out within 20 minutes that her first cousin is this same Mike Dunn, who I've since met and uh, like Christmas gatherings and stuff like that. So anytime I hear that Mike Dunn, I think of this Mike Dunn, um, who is now my first cousin by marriage. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. That, yeah. He... He, he went on to have a couple more decent seasons with the Pirates, and then he finished his career with the White Sox in 92. So he, uh, he ended up pitching about almost 500 total innings in the majors. Um, not a bad, not a bad uh, career at all. It's wow. neat, though, right? Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Does this Mike Dunn have an opinion of the other Mike Dunn? I, you know, I've never asked him, so I haven't seen him uh, for about two years uh, when we were all at a Christmas gathering, and I don't know if I if the other Mike Dunn was really on my radar quite yet to ask him, but next time I see him, I will ask him about this Mike Dunn. So, so does so 
you you were aware of the existence of Mike Dunn before you met your now wife. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, like he's someone who you who you had a sense of existing back in the mid 1980s. Yeah, mostly from baseball cards. And I remember him from that 87 season because that he finished pretty high in the rookie of the year voting. Um, but it was a name you know, that I hadn't thought about in a while. And he's my wife's first cousin, but um, he's almost 20 years older because her dad, my wife's dad, had a, a brother that was way older than he was. So Mike Dunn, the former Pirates pitcher, was drafted number seven overall by the Cardinals in 1984 out of Bradley University. Um, Players drafted after Mike Dunn include Jay Bell, uh, the shortstop. Okay. uh, Mark McGuire, the first baseman. (laughs) And... Terry Mulholland, the pitcher. I don't know why. I don't know why I I added the positions to those players: Mark McGuire, the first baseman, and Terry Mulholland, the pitcher. Just in case people were thinking of some other Mark McGuire or some other Terry Mulholland. Actually, this first round was pretty crummy outside of outside of uh, McGuire. Jay Bell was a second. Jay Bell had the second highest war in this first round, and the third highest war belongs to Bill Swift. I remember. Um, drafted by the Mariners. If I recall, this Mike Dunn, uh, D-U-N-N-E, he also pitched on the 84 uh, Olympic team back when they had baseball in the Olympics. Which, oh. I'm glad they got rid of that. That was kind of silly. But. It's coming back, isn't it? <laughs> Coming back for uh, for the Olympics in Japan. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm kind of a, when it comes to the Olympics, if winning the Olympic gold medal is not the top thing you can do in that sport, then it shouldn't be at the Olympics. So should they scrap basketball? Uh, basketball might be my only exception. I, I, I do like basketball at, at the Olympics. Um, although it's not to me, when I think about the Olympics, it's track and field, swimming, you know, things that you wouldn't ordinarily watch, but for the Olympics are the figure skating. Yeah, yeah, the prime Olympic events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So another Mike, another Mike Dunn fun fact. Um, this isn't that fun. Two, three, four, five, six. He has the sixth highest WAR of any. MLB amateur draft pick from Bradley University. Um, and the number one the number one player from Bradley University by war is Brian Schaus. It's not Kirby? Kirby? Kirby Puckett? Didn't Kirby Puckett go to Bradley? Um, I'm almost positive. So not according to this chart at Baseball Reference, but let's see. Oh, he did go to Bradley. Oh, he transferred after one year. Okay, maybe that's why he's not showing up there. At least on Wikipedia, it was saying 
However, he was given a chance to attend Bradley University and after one year transferred to Triton College. Ah. So that might be why he doesn't show up there. That is probably it. All right, cool. All right, bring it back, bring it back to, to the modern day. Back to the modern day. Alex, uh, do you have... I, I've I've noticed you sharing some thoughts on Stephen Piscotti. Would Would you like to share some thoughts on Stephen Piscotti? Yeah, I, I love Stephen Piscotti. Um, you know, he, he's recently, one of the recently traded to the A's. Recently traded to the A's. traded to the A's for I'm going to tell you their names right now. I hope I don't uh, butcher the first one, but Yaro Munoz and Max Schrock, who I'll admit I'd never heard of in, until this trade. Um, but they're both infielder. They were both infielders in the A's uh, system, and I think. I read, I don't remember which one, but one of them's estimated time of arrival. Um, and the big league should be maybe at the end of the 2018. Um, but anyways, a little backdrop on Piscotti. Um, he's from the Bay Area. He uh, played baseball at Stanford. And actually, one of my friends' little brothers pitched with him at Stanford and knows him pretty well. So, he, so I've been hearing about Piscotti pretty much since he was drafted from this kind of uh, loose connection I have. Um, and you know, I, I'm not a, like a lot of baseball fans in that I'm not following the, uh, the farm system as closely as a lot of other people, but Scotty was an exception, um, because I remember when he was drafted and because of this connection and, and he came up and he immediately, uh, seemed like he belonged. He's a very complete player, at least at the plate. Uh, I always thought he had a very complete batting profile. And uh, very, very good player. His first, I would say, 700 plate appearances, he looked like he was had the making of being uh, not a superstar, but arguably an all-star caliber player. Um, and then he kind of dipped down the second half of his 2016 season, and last year he had a, he had a down season. Um, in the middle of last season, last May, uh, we learned that his mom was diagnosed with uh, ALS, um, which I think, as most people know, is a really uh, just – awful tough disease and um part of the reason i I don't want to go too far into this because i really don't know the the true narrative behind it but it seems like they did do biscotti a solid by trading him to the a's in the bay area um so he could be closer to home and closer to his family as they as they deal with this and you know it was it was tough to see him go because i I liked him so much and i I think he's I, i think his first 600, 700 plate appearances in the bigs are going to be more indicative of who he is as a player than what we've seen most recently. Although, I, obviously, there's very reasonable arguments to the contrary. Um, so I still think he's going to be a very good player. Um, but certainly with, you know, the flirting with Stanton and then the Mar- Marzell Zuna trade, he kind of lost a spot there. But it was nice to see if he can't be with the Cardinals, then where he is with the A's, which is the TV he grew up watching, is second best. And I think first best for what's most important, like with his family and all that. So that was – I think bittersweet would be the best way to describe it. And he's he's actually he, – he actually signed a fairly team-friendly contract extension with, yeah, uh, with I, the Cardinals. So he's, yeah, the Cardinals do that. You know, they like to – kind of buy out some of those arbitration eligible uh arbitration years and what what is it like six years 33 million am i getting that right yeah sounds um, about right it sounds about right if i'm doing the math right uh looking just looking at his baseball reference page yeah and and yeah i think it's a very good contract uh 
both for him and and, uh, and the team because you know, like I said, it buys out some of the Zarbiers, and I, I think um, it's going to be a steal. I hope he kills it in Oakland, um, and I, I think I, I think he still has potential to be that player. So hopefully that works out for him. Do you have a Do you have a quick take on the Ozuna deal? Um. I, I think it's cool. I, I think it's a big bat that they're missing. You know, I whatever I have to say has been mostly um, from reading other people's takes on it. In that, I, I think the strong the strong opinion seems to be that last season wasn't a mirage, and that while he might not be like that good, but he's better than he was before before that meaning going forward like he should project out pretty well i I think i've read some things about teams to a swing and whatnot and that he can play gold glove caliber defense and left field um although that's the only thing i wonder about because if he's in left field then dexter fowler is probably in right field and i know i just don't think fowler has the arm to handle right field um so i'm kind of curious how the outfield uh ends up shaking out but no, I, I think it was a good trade. I hope it's not the last thing they do, but if uh, if they can add a few more, maybe one more strong piece to the team, I, I think it could turn out to be a, a really, really good trade, especially just from the standpoint that I really didn't think we gave up that much. Uh, you know, Sandy Alcantara is kind of an unknown at this point. I think he has a, he has a ceiling of being like a, a good starter, but I think more people more real, realistically – Look at him. Look at him as a possible bullpen guy who just kind of pumps gas. And uh, Magnaria Sierra is a very exciting player, but also lacks power. Uh, he has no power, like virtually no power. He had an ISO of zero last year, if I recall. Oh my god! Yeah. So, so I thought it was a good trade. I, I'm excited to see them actually do something. Um, you know, we'll see how it works out. There he is. Uh-oh, did we lose him? Hold on. Let's give it a sec to catch up. Arius? I think I'm here. I'm hearing like what might be some wind, but not it sounds like wind, but it's kind of like uh in and out static. That's probably from his side. I hear that too. Yeah, it is. Shoot. Well, you know, we have uh, 19 minutes of us talking about Stephen Piscotti <laughs> and and 1980s Cardinals minor leaguers. I think that's enough to go to print. Yeah, I, did I talk too much? We just got the and said, screw this, I'm leaving. No, it's fine. It's fine. Brandon, until we find Darius, uh, how are you feeling about the Cubs right now? You know, Honestly, I, they're the best team in NL Central. But how are you feeling about their uh, offseason? You know, I'm actually, I I'm feeling all right about it. I think there's there's enough there's enough upside in the Chatwood deal for me to not hate it. Even though some very smart people have been talking about how they don't like it, like Jeff Sullivan and Matt Trueblood. Uh, so I. I under I hear what they're saying. I also hear what some of the other people saying about how, uh, you know, about about how he 
walks a lot of people and doesn't throw a lot of strikes and all that. But I, I think there's I think there's enough to to work with on Chatwood. I like the C Shack signing, but I don't know. Would I rather have had a guy like Swarzak? Maybe, but but Theo also likes throwing guys with different arm angles, so or signing guys with different arm angles. So Cheek has a much different arm angle than most other guys in the bullpen. And I saw last night that maybe we're in on Darvish. So that's a thing. That's a thing that might be a thing. I don't know if that's a revelatory rumor or a non-revelatory rumor. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we'll sign at least one more, one more pitcher with a name. I, I'm just not sure whether it's a starter or a reliever. I guess it could be either one. I'm not, I, I figure it'll, it'll be one of, it'll be one of Alex Cobb, you Darvish and Wade Davis. It won't be multiple and it will be only one. Man, I, I, I don't think it'll ever happen, but I would love the, for the Cardinals to sign uh, Darvish. Uh, in fact, I'm most positive it will happen just because, you know, I, I know it's not a strong class. So like he could be get, he could be getting more than what he's worth. But on the other hand, the fact that so many people are discounting him for uh, his two World Series starts um, seems like it could almost like even itself out. Like that seemed to really scare people off. And it was just two starts, you know. So I, I think that's crazy to me. Um, unless they know that there really is something wrong with him. But if it's just a case of tipping pitches, then isn't that a pretty easy fix? You know, I would I would hope so. And and I think the the other thing about it is he's he's had a career, you know, without he's had a career before the two starts in the World Series, right? Oh, and, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and so let, presumably he was not tipping pitches the first, you know, six years he played in the majors. So so I, I can't imagine it's a difficult fix to get back to that. And even if he was tipping let's say he was tipping pitches for six years. Like, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's still really good. <laughs> and, and I don't think the Astros have gone out and sold those trade secrets, you know? And so if they're the only team that knows he's tipping pitches, then, uh, you know, they're the only ones who know what to look for. Right. The, the thing that I'm thinking about with Darvish and Cobb must be that must be that Cobb's value is a lot higher than what people thought going into the off season. Cause I was seeing him at projected contracts under 50 million. And so if, if he's waited this long to sign, it, it must be that, that the price is going up. Uh, especially if if so many teams are supposedly in on him and for Darvish it must be that the price really is lower than people thought if the Cubs are jumping in because I can't imagine the Cubs would be in at something close to 200 million but I imagine they could very well be in at something close to 50. Right. Did, Did you see that rumor circulating last night um and I tried to read up more on it, and I'm pretty sure it's just a rumor, but that the Rays do not want to 
do a, would not do a deal with the Cubs for Archer because they're still mad about the Madden thing. Did you see this? Oh, I haven't seen this. Okay. Um, I tried to find it again this morning, and I, I, I couldn't find anything on it. it like, I think the, the original tweet I saw said, like, John Heyman said something about this on the radio. But then I couldn't find the tweet again this morning. So, I, you know, so I don't want to um, say anything on it because it could just be total bullcrap. But what I read last night was like, because I want the Cardinals to trade for Archer. Um, I, I really do. I, I think they have the pieces to get it done um, easily. And, the, and, I, and I think their rotation is actually a lot more flimsy than people realize as it currently stands. But, but I read something last night, like, cause you know, I've always been scared the Cubs are going to get them. And then someone said uh, like, Oh no, the Heyman said on the radio that the, the Rays don't want to, would be hesitant to deal with the Cubs cause they're still, uh, still upset about what they believe was tampering with Madden. Hmm. I, I am skeptical that the Cubs actually have what it would take to pull off a trade for Chris Archer. Unless, unless it would be something like Hap or Baez involved. Like I, I don't think we have I don't think we have the minor leaguers to pull it off, but I you know <clears throat> if it comes down to like either Danny Duffy or Chris Archer, I think I would rather have Archer, but I also think the Cardinals have more to deal in terms of future value guys. Certainly, when it comes to like arms, right? In the, in yeah, the, in yeah. the minor league, uh, definitely. Yeah, I, I I do think that's that's really funny that the Rays are hesitant to deal with the Cubs, considering. Well, I would I would think the Rays, the Rays, would be should be skeptical to deal with the Cubs because, like Hickey and Madden know everything about the Rays, and I think, I think the the tampering thing. <clears throat> The tampering thing probably becomes moot if the Rays think they're getting a good deal, right? Like they're not gonna, they're they're not yeah, gonna, right. they're not gonna pass up a favorable trade in order totally. to, it, because they're pissed at the Cubs for a thing that happened three years ago now. You know? Yeah, it's not like they'd be facing him. It's not like they'd have to go against Archer nineteen times a year. It's not like they're trading him inside the division or anything right, like right, that. Right. Um, and the fact that I feel like if that was a, an actual story, that would have blown up. Oh, yeah, it totally would have. It totally would have. All right, hey, all. a technical note. Darius was having some computer issues and had to drop off, but I am still here with Alex. Hey, Alex. Hey, Brandon. Hey, so I, I actually have a question for you, and I was thinking about it earlier today, and uh, I, I, I want to know what you think and whether you have a strong take I think this falls into the realm of I think this falls into the realm of the batting around question. Okay. But what what do you define as being this season or next season or this year and next year in baseball terms? Where is your dividing line? At what point does it go from Carlos Santana had 5 war this season? to saying Carlos Santana had five war last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. Um, so I think there's an easy answer to this question in that baseball, the entire season and postseason, all takes place in one calendar year, right? It's not like basketball where the, uh, the Bulls were the 92-93 you know, world champions, right? Because the season starts in 92, ends in 93. Baseball begins in 2017, and the season ends in 2017. 
So when we hit January 1st, if you want to talk about 2017 stats, you would say last season, Chris Bryant batted such and such. You can you start saying last season on January 1st or last year. You start saying last year, last season, whatever, on January 1st. And when you say that, everyone knows you're talking about 2017. Because if it's, I don't know, if it's January 20th, 2018, and you're trying to talk about the 2016 season, you're not going to say last season. You're not going to refer to a season that's now two calendar years away, right? So I think since baseball, a season all takes place in one flip of the calendar that the minute it turns over, that's a perfect time to start saying last season in reference to the season that just passed. What say you? Okay, so I was actually thinking about this earlier today as I was walking around and thinking about like, oh, we're almost to the end of the year. Oh, we're almost to New Year's, right? And, uh, you know, when this was brought up in the in the Effectively Wild Facebook group not that long ago, I I was actually of the opinion at the time that that the, the the this season next season line is actually somewhere around spring training. Whoa, okay. Somewhere around pitchers and catchers reporting, because I think we're still. In January and even the beginning sliver of February, there's still player movement. There's rosters are not set, and there's still you're still basing it almost completely off of what happened in the most recent season, right? So once once pitchers and catchers show up and they start practicing. And you see who has stuff and who doesn't, or who has a new swing, or who has a new pitch, or whatever. That is, that is my very clear, obvious this season marker. However, however, I was thinking about flipping to your position this morning, Alex, and I think it has to do with the fact that the season happens in a single calendar year. And so we can say this year or last year. And sometimes I realize I use season and year interchangeably. And that kind of makes it so that, you know, using using season and year interchangeably actually makes the case for the using the calendar year as as the marker rather than the uh rather than like the baseball calendar you know right so so i don't know i i think i'm a little more on your side now than i was when i first answered this question maybe like a month ago but that's probably because i had too much time between then and december 31st to consider let me ask you this um today is saturday right yeah 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 when i say last monday what do you think of? If I say, oh, yeah, last Monday I had a drink of water. When did I have that drink of water? Um, you would have had it. If you say last Monday, it probably would have been the most recent Monday. It would have been um, 
so it what's it? Been, today is it today is today is the sixteenth, so it would have been the eleventh. The eleventh. Yeah. So you we, you haven't had any water since Monday, which means <laughs> I'm probably dehydrated. But better than December fourth, I guess. Um yeah, right, yeah. But so when does December eleventh go from last month go from this Monday to last Monday? Is it the minute Monday ends? Oh man. Okay, so so when you say this Monday, when you say this Monday, yeah, it's uh, well, I think of it as the eighteenth, but but I also realize that this is a an area where communications can fall apart. It's a toy on point. I guess it all depends on what you're saying. Like, obviously, if you say this past Monday, we know what we're talking about. And if I were yeah, yeah, yeah. this Monday, it's all about how you're speaking, right? Like in the present tense or like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like this Monday, I'm going to go see a concert. Like no one thinks I'm talking about five days ago. So right, right, right. good example. I'm sorry. Um, but that is something I think about sometimes. Like when is when is it last Monday? When, what yeah, yeah, Monday yeah. is last Monday? Two Mondays ago, or is that still my current? Right, right. You I, know, I think, I think it kind of is similar to this question of last season, this season. Um, yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's 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 semantics. I mean, you know, uh, people will, people kind of know people will know from the context of what you're saying that there is a uh like what you're talking about right like they'll know from from whether you say carlos santana put up five war this season okay. you know because because there is no there is no 2018 season so we right. can't put up five war yeah right. you know all right so so we in a way sort of answer our own question maybe maybe i don't know but because if we go into if we go into uh, you know January fifteenth and you Darvish isn't signed, right? Then I don't know. My cop out will probably be that I say last year. <laughs> you know, last year with the Dodgers, you Darvish did da 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 da, right? Like I wouldn't. I, I probably wouldn't say this year after January first because it will be twenty eighteen. Isn't football kind of weird like that? Because the regular season is almost primarily in, like, for instance, in 2017. Oh, yeah. Almost, in, like, entirely, right? Like, isn't it the, uh, like, you like might. Weeks of it. You might have, you might have week 17 on New Year's Day, but, like, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. get much deeper than that. Once you right. get to, once you get to, like, January 7th, 8th, that's wild card round. But then when you win the Super Bowl, that's first weekend in February. So you win the championship in that next year, but it's still, you know, no one says like the 1985-86 Chicago Bears. They say the 85 Bears. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, they wouldn't say the 86 Bears who lost in the NFC championship, right? Like, even though the Super Bowl was in 86. That was, you're correct, correct. Yeah. I don't know if you're correct that they lost the NFC Championship, but you're correct in <laughs> everything else. They, they really made the good. playoffs and lost. No, yeah. they, they were awesome that year. The Packers guy cheap-shotted McMahon, and it kind of derailed their season. But Ross isn't here to defend himself, so we won't. <laughs> um, 
do you have uh you you sent a a note to the facebook chat about cc sabathia do you have a take because he just cc sabathia like just signed with the yankees one year 10 million no not really i see it seemed like that's a logical landing spot for him right like if if he was gonna go anywhere else a team would probably have to uh beat the Yankees offer, not just by a little bit, but maybe by a lot, which is, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but if that's the case, CC Sabathia doesn't seem like the type of player you really need to go above and beyond to acquire at this point in his career. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's total, that's, that is totally true. Um, I have a question for you, and this is, uh, while we're in this year, I'll ask it to you. But what yeah. was what was your favorite baseball moment of this year, 2017? Okay, uh, Cardinals moment or non-Cardinals or either? Well, one? you know, either one. Uh, I think my favorite moment is a Cubs moment. Okay. Uh, but but I'm I'm interested in hearing whether you have whether there is a difference for you. My favorite just overall baseball moment would be the Indians. Um, winning streak so mm, I, I, thought, okay. so I thought that reached the point where even though the indians uh postseason was a disappointment um you could five years from now look back and say like no 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 2017 was awesome no matter what happened because yeah. we freaking won was it 23 what did it end at um let's see it was 23 or 24, wasn't it? I mean, I'm calling it my favorite moment. I don't even know the uh, – I don't even know what what it actually is. Um, mm. They won 22 in a row. I, I see it right yeah, now. Yeah. Okay. So, I think that's so cool and so rare for a team to, you know, that, that it, when the A's won 20 in a row – um i was that 2000 2001 yeah, um, yeah. oh it was in the it was it was in the uh the movies it was in yeah, the movie. yeah 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 i don't like, remember, that seems like- I don't remember <laughs> what year it happened in, i don't remember what year it happened irl all i remember was it was in the movie yeah i i do remember it in irl uh oh yeah i remember it i remember that it happened but it's just like that happens for a team to win that many games in a row obviously over 20 happened so seldomly it was such a cool thing um and the fact that it seemed like everyone started paying attention around 12 and then it went 10 more games it was just phenomenal i thought uh and i guess my point here is uh cleveland fans if you're listening um what you did was almost as cool i know like especially if you're a team like cleveland hasn't won the world series since 48 you would trade everything for that but this is like to me the second best thing and it's almost as cool um, because a team wins the World Series every year, but teams do not win 22 games every year. In fact, teams never win 22 games until the Indians did it this year. So that's my favorite moment. Favorite Cardinals moment, um, then I'll switch it over to you. Probably be that stupid rally cat thing because it's so – so Because it was a really cool thing when it happened. Yadier Molina hit that grand slam um the the kid getting clawed by the what looked like a pretty feral cat um and then of course the cardinals just botching the whole thing um the whole pr standpoint of it of losing the cat and then they get in like some stupid uh um public battle with like the uh 
with like the animal shelter that found a cat over like who who the cat belongs to and it the whole thing was just so uh so dumb and you could see them like trying so hard to market it um in a way where people would be buying like you know rally cat t-shirts and stuff like that and it turned into just like kind of um just a dumb story uh and that kind of summed up the 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 cardinals um kind of what i would call sometimes tone deaf uh management um the the thing that i loved about that about that the most was the the cardinals employee who had to carry the cat like that that poor guy kept getting scratched by that cat the whole way in and uh (laughs) in in front of like with thirty thousand people watching right right and he and he didn't sell out i would have dropped the cat and and (laughs) and and he kept uh he kept getting clawed um and and the fact that some people were mad at him for the minute he got into the dugout and handing it over um thereby losing the cat was ridiculous to me like he went beyond the call of duty in my mind Yeah, the Cubs have had some bad experiences with cats um, in their history. So kudos, kudos to kudos to that guy for picking up the cat. If if I could pick my favorite baseball moment of the year, it this is like I don't know, I don't know if it's a cop out or what, but I think the uh, when I think of the Cubs Nationals game five. Mm-hmm. of the NLDS and all of the the chaos and ridiculousness and bad calls and neither team actually playing well enough to win. I I think of it as like I think of it as the the mirror image of the of the Blue Jays Rangers inning oh, where yeah. where everything was so incredible and intense and you had big performances from big players and big collapses from other players and it was very yes it was chaos but it was chaos in such a way that it was like it it was a good sort of chaos you know and it was and it was capped off by jose batista hitting this monster homer right in like the highest pressure moment of his career and this one this game it seemed like everybody was falling apart at every at every turn like whether it's cubs players or nationals players or umpires like it didn't matter who it was like everybody had a bad game and the cubs won and thus won the series and moved on but like the roller coaster of emotion within that game is enough for me to put it number one even without it actually being a very well played game because it it was actually a garbage game like if this game happened during the regular season well one none of these starting pitchers would have been coming in in relief. Like Max Scherzer would not have had the opportunity to come in and blow a save because he would not have been called on to make a save. But, but everybody was bad and that's what made it great. It was, 
incredibly entertaining to watch. <laughs> the, uh, I, I think more people would remember this game, but for the fact that neither team went to the World Series. Yeah. And those two games in the World Series that were just bananas. Yes. Kind yes. of overshadowed this one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. This game and put it in the World Series. I think we're still talking about it <laughs> uh, for a long time. I mean, because it, it ended with Bryce Harper up, right? Yeah, yeah. With 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 <laughs> against Wade Davis, who had nothing left. Right. Yeah, and uh, you had that really bad, just Jason Worth missing the ball in the lights. I, I think that's what happened. Um, and and well, it's probably his last game ever with the Nationals. Um, you had the two controversial calls at the, uh, at, you know, the, the, uh, drop third strike call. Right. Yes. Um, and, the, and, and the pickoff. The pickoff. Um, yeah, it had everything. Um, it was one of those games where I, I feel so dumb, but do you remember when Taylor hit that home run to make it four, one Nats? And I was yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I remember honestly, earnestly thinking this game is over and, <laughs> and looking back how, Far that game was from over is is, is pretty hilarious and kind of an indictment on me for thinking a four one game early is over. But uh, I'll be honest, I was I was not feeling good when Scherzer came in. I'm like, this guy is the best pitcher, and he he is coming in, and it's like we're done. He's going to pitch three innings, and the Cubs aren't going to have enough to come back against uh you know whatever three relievers they mix and match for the last three outs and and i i was not feeling good either i i was like hey if we don't get to matt freaking albers right now like we're screwed and we didn't get to matt albers so i also thought we were screwed if i recall my my old uh buddy john jay had a big play in this game is that, uh, is that yeah john jay uh john jay had a big hit early um, he had he had a double. Okay. Um, what what else am I thinking of when I think of Scherzer was brought in? What inning was that? Do you remember? Uh, the fifth. Okay. And kind of, if I recall, the narrative afterwards was like that he was actually pretty good. He wasn't giving up hard contact. Um, he was just incredibly unlucky. But if I thought that gave Scherzer a bit of a pass. Like he was, yeah, he wasn't getting like rocked, but he wasn't to me on like he's normally on. Like oh, he no. still walked, he still walked in a run with the bases loaded, right? In this yeah, inning, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, and that, that reminds me of another thing. Didn't someone notice that this inning had four events that have never happened before? Yeah, um, yeah, in a in sequential, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was uh, literally a once in a lifetime game. Yeah, I uh, I kept uh, kept ordering drinks that night, man. I couldn't uh, <laughs> regular me without without a little bit of help couldn't couldn't have made it through. It sort of reminds me of when the Cardinals beat the Nats in. Uh, Game five in 2012. Oh my goodness, a, that game! Oh, really crazy God. game. They're down by six runs, and they, uh, you know, come back to win, culminating in Cosma's uh, opposite field hit to drive in two. But then they lose to the Giants uh, in seven games, and they don't go to the World Series. Um, so it doesn't quite have that feel as 
like the freeze game for me, or I'm sure like game seven of the world series uh, for you the year before for obvious reasons. Mm. But I can still say, I still, you know, over five years later, I look back at that Cosmo game. I love every second of it, regardless if they didn't win the world series. So I, I will assume you'll have similar feelings for this one. Yeah. 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 And I, I remember watching that, uh, that game five against the nationals on game day. But I was I was not watching it in uh, on TV or listening on the radio. All that I had was in play, no outs, in play, no outs, in play runs, in play runs, over and over again. And uh, I was like, "Oh my god, when will this stop?" And it didn't. It did not stop until the Cardinals won. I, I was at the game. It was. Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, it was. It was, it was a good time. A question for you because this is a this is a non baseball question that we have uh, that we've been talking about a little bit online. You recently got an SNES Classic. I yeah. I also have an SNES Classic. I love it. You love it. We both love it. it my dog is barking. Um, if you could if you could put a sports game on SNES Classic, what would it be? Oh, this is easy for me. Um, I, I've heard most people say NBA Jam, but for me, it's uh, Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball. Oh, so this did turn into a baseball question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be, I, I would say if I could rank them, that would be, would be my number one. I used to play that game obsessively. I think I even wrote about it once um, for Banish to the Pen. Um, you did? Yeah. NBA Jam would be up would probably be number two. Uh, that's just a classic, classic uh, game. Um, NBA Jam is one of the great if you're with a friend games. Um, it's never as much fun to play against computer, but if you have a, a friend around, or even better if you have several friends, like that's it's very tough to beat that game. And number two, I, number three, I'd probably say NHL '94. I was going to go with NBA Jam. And I think for me, for me, at least in my kind of video game upbringing, I I actually didn't really get into baseball video games until N64. So it it wasn't until Griffey for N64 and All-Star Baseball for N64 that I really started uh, playing baseball video games. On, on my own consoles I, I i dabbled in world series for sega saturn which uh my uncle had but i i actually didn't didn't play a lot of griffey on uh on super nintendo is there is there a particular game that you're enjoying right now on it i'm mostly playing donkey kong country and super mario world uh i i beat both of those games in my uh, prime. Um, and so I'm kind of going back. Uh, it's hilarious how much I remember secret places in Super Mario World um, when it's a game I haven't played in over 20, probably almost close to 20 years. Um, so I'm concentrating on those two. Um, and as soon as I uh, beat both of those, I'll branch out to the other uh, 19 games, some of which I've never played before. So that'll be fun. I think I told you earlier that um, I'm relegated to playing after my son goes to sleep. Um, so I have a small window of which I can get, um, progress, uh, in, in, uh, in these games. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's not going too fast right now, but uh, I'll get there. 
actually for me, like the, the muscle memory of it all is very fascinating because I can like, I, there are levels in Mario world that I can kind of get through. Not, Mm -hmm. not completely with my eyes closed, but like, Mm -hmm. it's almost like I, I just know, right? Like I just know the timing and I know the jumps and how to throw that shell up and hit the floating box, right? Like it's like, I've done it so many times that it doesn't, like it barely registers for me. You know. And not only that, but there's some levels I remember well enough and I don't feel bad if I fly through the whole thing. You know how when you get to Cape and you can actually keep flying and then just, you know, bypass everything. Yeah. Um, I've done that a few times just to uh, expedite the process. Yeah. yeah. But wait, what was your sports game? Uh, my sports game. Was it? Yeah, it's Jam. It's Jam. My sports oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who was your team on NBA Jam? Uh, I mean, it's the Bulls because, you know, Chicago, but if, if I wasn't playing the Bulls, I was playing, um, uh, I played a lot as the Sonics cause I was, okay. I was a, I was a big Sean Kemp fan. Um, and, De- and Detlef Shrimp was the other yeah, one, right? Shrimp, Detlef Shrimp was on that team. I was, I was big on the three pointers too. So I, I would I would play with the Pacers uh, for Reggie, but those, so, yeah, those, those were my teams. I, I, the Bulls were an interesting team. I think Pippen was probably the best player on that game all around. Yeah. He could yeah, do everything. yeah. Oh, Grant was never, great. I liked Golden State a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mullen and Hardaway and Tim Hardaway could, uh, you know, hit a ton of threes. Um, an underrated team was Orlando because Scott Skiles, for whatever reason, could, um, he had full power from three point range, and yes. Anderson had full had full dunk power, um, which is funny because Nick Anderson was a great great player. But I don't I think anyone ever remembers him as being like Sean Kemp, you know, dunks or anything like that. Um, so that was a fun team because he kind of had the best of both worlds. Charlotte, Charlotte was both the Larry Johnson and uh, Morning were pretty tough to beat. Oh yeah, those uh, Charlotte and. Charlotte and the Magic were are they're both very '90s teams, and uh, they they fit in with NBA Jam very well. Are are you a hat person, Alex? Uh, a little bit. So I have a ton of hats. I probably I probably have close to twenty to twenty five hats, but I only wear about five of them. Um, so yeah, I I like hats. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this of this Was- of this Washington Wizards hat that I just that just came across. Hey, hold on. Oh yeah, has a DC flag on it. That's kind of cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know the like basketball hats and uh, baseball hats aren't. I mean, they're it's all new era, right? But yeah. I'm a no, I'm, I'm feeling. I'm feeling this. You know, that is. I like that hat. Um, I like DC flag. It's kind of similar to Chicago's flag. Um, you know, a little, little variation, color scheme, um, the two bars and stuff. And but yeah, that's. Sorry, my dogs are barking. So I. Real quick. Speaking of this, have you seen the Hornets when they're wearing their old school um, jerseys? 
I haven't yet. Um, what I have seen are like these jazz throwbacks that are yellow, and I really don't like them. They, I don't know if I've seen them. They wore them against the Bulls the other night. Okay. I haven't seen those, but the the Hornets throwbacks, you know, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. Like the teal, no, it says Charlotte across. Oh yeah. That's, why so, they, good. that's so good. Why they don't wear those all the time. Why every NBA team um, who was, who was around in the, you know, late eighties doesn't wear exactly what they were wearing then. Um, I'll never know because whatever the Hawks are doing um, right now is a disgrace. They need to go back to, you know, it's weird because they have that old Pac-Man logo on the court, but they're still trying to go with that crazy color scheme. Black, yellow, uh, orange. I don't even know what color the uh, Hawks even are. They just need to go back to what they used to be in the Dominique. Uh, just you the, know, red, the red and yeah. white with a little yellow. Yeah, almost like the McDonald's colors. Are oh, my God. That that one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. that is cool. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Gus heard someone next door, so he's barking. Yeah. And trying to like, I wonder if this will get to stay in the recording. I'll leave it up to Ken. <laughs> if he keeps barking dogs in here. All right. Well, since I don't have a ton of time left, yeah. And so let's, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, Alex, you fulfill your obligation. Uh, Darius has Darius fulfilled his obligation a little while ago. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's call it here, and uh, I'll uh, I'll record a I'll record a, a closing after my uh, after my dog stops working. Okay. <laughs> All right. So good talking to you, Brandon. Yeah, good talking to you, Alex. Have uh, have a good one, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. All right. All right see you, man. Peace. Hey everyone, it's Brandon in post production. Sorry, I was having some issues with my dog and barking at neighbors. Uh, in the closeout of the last podcast, but or the last recording, but I do want to note that that will do it for this edition of the Banish to the Pen podcast. I really want to thank Alex and Darius for hopping on today, and uh, I want to let you know that you can catch Alex on Twitter at AlexCards79 Alex Cards and also at the new Birds on the Black website. You can also catch Darius on Twitter at DariusA64 and writing at Banish to the Pen. You can find me at Banish to the Pen and on Twitter at Lee Internets. And I want to let you know that you can also follow Banish to the Pen on Twitter at Banished to Pen. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook, check out the website, Banished to the Pen. And uh, we're always looking for contributors. So if you want to write about baseball, get started, throw some ideas around with some uh, people who have been uh, managing the blog a little while, writing a little while. You are absolutely more than welcome to submit any pieces or send us any ideas. Check out the website at banishedthepen.com for more information. Thank you for listening as always. Thank you to Ken Maeda for production. And until next time, please remember to be nice to your fellow listeners. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Banish to the Pen podcast. Sorry we haven't sorry you haven't heard from us in a while, but we've been hanging out. Okay, I'm going to start again. Scratch that.